Did you ever watch the film Castaway with Tom Hanks? When I watched it, I used to get jealous that he was on this beautiful place of solitude and isolation with no people to bother him. And he didn't have to put faces on or lie to hide a dark secret or to please others. Even though throughout the film, it is clear that this is a man who is suffering terribly from loneliness and living in fear for his life. Every day in that film, the only thing on Tom Hanks' mind was to get off that island and to make human contact and reconnect with his loved ones. For many survivors of child sex abuse, we live in fear of our everyday existence. And our battle is not only with what we are running away from, but what we're running into each day of our lives. And many would give anything to be left alone on that island. I spent the first 16 years of my life in care and I suffered horrific child sex abuse that went on for years up to the age of 16. I was in a boys home in Fife and before that I was in at least two other homes. But even to this day, I cannot seem to find the truth of where I was and why I was moved about so much. That is almost as painful as the abuse to live with. My whole childhood was one of being passed about from home to home. And I often describe it as living in a dirty washing machine where the next home I went to was even worse than the last one. Some have described what happened in these places as a production line for paedophiles of the worst kind. And the worst thing of all is for many, we also have to carry the dark secrets. Let me share mine with you now. When we were in the dormitories at night, I would lie in bed and pray that the wee boy in the bed next to me would get picked to be abused instead of me. Sometimes my prayers would be answered, sometimes they wouldn't. One day, the little boy disappeared and I asked questions about him. I was threatened, sexually abused, as a way of stopping me asking many questions. One of my abusers told me, if I asked anybody or told anybody or spoke about anything that had happened, I would disappear just like my little friend. This affected my whole life and every relationship I ever had. All my life I thought about this wee boy and it was only in 2012 when I finally came forward to the press, I actually found out that he'd committed suicide on home leave. He was 12 years old. He was my best friend and we used to play table tennis every night. He was trying to tell everyone that he was being abused, but no one listened. It's hard for a lot of people to get their heads around all that. I understand that. We understand that. And we know that it's sickening and it's heartbreaking. And it's too much for people to stop and take in and understand the pain and the lifelong effects such things can have on children and how people can be so cruel to do such things to children. What I didn't know and what I found the hardest struggle, which still goes on today, is getting people to listen and getting people to try and understand what I and many others went through and how much we need the love and support of the people of Scotland to survive. 
When I was 16, I was kicked out of the care system. And within weeks, I ended up homeless on the streets because I could not fit in anywhere. I very quickly became a social misfit and a social outcast. I went to a doctor when I told him I'd been abused in care and he gave me a script that lasted 25 years. During those 25 years, my addiction to drugs and alcohol exploded and I was in and out of prisons and mental institutions for years and life was tough. My biggest problem was when people started asking questions like, where are you from? What school did you go to? I couldn't tell them. If I told them, something bad would happen to me and to them because I'd been warned. I really believed that. So lying became easier for me. And of course, this just made more enemies. And so I just ran and ran and ran. Eventually, the abuse was lost at the back of my mind. But I couldn't understand why everyone around me had families and love. Well, all I did was run, run, run. Sometimes I could go days, even weeks on the streets without talking to another person. And I would find places where no one would ever find me. And I would stay near enough to the city or town centres so that I could smell the soup wagons. And I would find the places where I could get a wash and clean clothes without anyone asking too many questions. What I had done was I'd give up on people. Like so many homeless people with underlying issues, I was waiting for that one person and trying to find that one place where I could feel safe enough to open up old wounds and for someone to be able enough to do that in a safe environment, but it never happened. And I quickly fell into what we call the dark world. What I quickly discovered is something that's still going on today, and that is you will get many people come up to you who will tell you what they think is best for you and where you should go. But very few people will take the time to stop and ask, what actually happened to you? I became an expert shoplifter and pickpocketer to fund my increasing drug habit, and I spiralled downwards into that valley of hell. Whenever anyone tried to get close to me, I would steal from them and let them down, and again I would run away or get into fights and end up feeling really bad. I saw many children of all ages on the streets, and I saw things that have lived with me all my life and driven me on to make sure no child suffers what I and so many others went through. Throughout the 70s and 80s, I saw hundreds of children on the streets of London and other cities who would turn up with the same thing. A rucksack with a change of clothes and a picture of their family inside. When I was 16, 17, I was only a couple of years older than many of these kids and almost all of them had the same story as me. I'm still haunted to this day of the memory of the young boy who one day asked me to watch his rucksack because he was a rent boy and he had a punter and he told me he'd be back in one hour and I sat in the derelict building around a fire and I waited and I waited and I waited and I fell asleep and the next morning he hadn't come back. The next day he hadn't come back either and after three days I realised he wasn't coming back. You see, I couldn't move because at that time, he was the only friend I had in the world and I was the only friend he had. After a while, I would get so desperate for survival 
I would actually go around all the derelict buildings looking for these abandoned rucksacks in the desperate hope that there might be clothes in them that fit me. I lost all thought of care for what happened to these children that owned these bags. During this time, I attempted suicide many times and I over overdosed more times than I can count. I was stabbed three times in my attempt to mix with people. I woke up one day in hospital with an ax in my head. Life was really, really hard, but somehow I managed to survive. Then in 1998, my life changed. I met a beautiful Scottish girl called Alice. I was almost 40 years old. She became my first real girlfriend. And after only being with her a few months, she told me she was pregnant. I couldn't stop crying. I was so happy. I'd never had a family. I got a bed set and we moved in together. And in April 1998, I did the honorable thing and I married her. It was the most magical day of my life, but it didn't last. Exactly five weeks after we were married, I woke up one morning and Alice was lying in my arms, very cold. I put the light on. It was clear that Alice was dead. I was told that she had died of natural causes and the baby had also died. And it was very hard to take. She was only 23. Now I was angry. I started to believe that something had happened centuries ago and that my family had been cursed and I'd been cursed. My drinking and my drug taking exploded again and I was not a nice person to be around. And eventually I had yet another breakdown. I was taken back into the psychiatric hospital and it was during this time that all the child abuse started to resurface. I knew at this point I had two choices to make. One, go back to the life I'd been living and end up dead or turn my life around. I stayed in hospital for a long time and it was during this time I reached out to God and he answered my prayers and I knew that everything was going to be different from now on. I knew I had to get justice for what had happened to me and so many other children in Scotland. And I also wanted to tell people my story, but so many gaps and unanswered questions. And I set out to find the people who had done these terrible things to me and to other children. I went to college to get an education and I stayed off drugs. Now, 20 years later, I'm still clean from drugs. I was too busy and obsessed fighting to get justice. It took me 20 years of searching and campaigning to find others who were trafficked just like me and went through the same abuse. And what struck me over those years was the way society treated survivors of child sex abuse. Fitting in was not just about who we were. It was very much a case of people running away from what we were. Nowhere was this more evident than in Scotland. One thing I learned was to forgive my abusers. Forgiveness is so important. It brought me great peace, but still didn't stop me fighting for justice. And my fight took me all over the world, couldn't speaking to thousands of people in Brazil. In 2017, I took my campaign direct to the Catholic Church in Scotland, and I stood outside St Andrew's Cathedral in Glasgow, chained to a cross for 12 days. I was shocked by how many Catholics approached me, thanking me for what I was doing and telling me I was doing the right thing.
and I was happy to share my story with so many people. Also in 2017, I finally won compensation and I started my own group called SAFE, Seek and Find Everyone Abused in Childhood Scotland. I took my campaign all over the country. Hundreds of people came forward to have their voices heard and access to justice. We set up stalls in Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dundee, Greenock, Gay Pride, Walk for Suicide, and hundreds of people told us stories. We got a mood of the, how people in Scotland felt about child abuse and how they felt that no one was doing anything about it. And I'm very proud of what we achieved. I discovered that for many survivors, the biggest problem is how the people of Scotland deal with the subject of child abuse. Fitting in anywhere in Scotland is very difficult because, inverted commas, Scottish people just don't talk about child sex abuse. Well, let me tell you something. We have to change that culture. These are your sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. And if this culture doesn't change, be in no doubt it will affect your children just like it has over many decades. I know I've done some bad things in the past. I take responsibility for that and God will be my judge. But I keep saying, we're not bad people. We are good people who have had really bad things happen to us. And I had to do what I had to do to survive. I was a shoplifter, that was it. And if people would stop and listen, instead of judging us every time, then maybe, maybe you might just learn something of the pain and the anguish survivors have to go through. I haven't been in any trouble for almost 25 years now, but still I get judged like a criminal because I try to fight justice and seek the truth. Please understand, I'm not trying to make pe people feel guilty here. The hard fact is that what hurts more than anything else is that not much has changed since I left care 45 years ago. We still have children in Scotland who are kicked out of abusive childhoods, straight into a life of crime and homelessness and early graves. And it still appears to us that no one cares. I still regularly get calls from adults and children who struggle to fit in anywhere. And they feel just like I and many others have felt for years. Scotland has no time for us. That's why I have to keep on fighting for survivors to have their voices heard and access to justice and for changes in the system in Scotland. In my case, my mother died before I was even one year old. That was no reason to lock me up for 16 years, then drug me up for the next 25 years, was it? To even think that we still haven't got a system that makes sure this doesn't happen to any child and we still allow these things happen in Scotland, that makes me feel quite sick. To know that we still have children coming out of care, seeking help and crying out for guidance and nobody's listening. Thankfully, people are starting to step up and realise the contribution survivors with lived experience can make in creating a trauma-informed nation, as we like to call it. But this can't work unless we work together. Sadly, there are also too many people who exploit survivors in Scotland simply because they can. And we can only hope that things will change. If we could only learn to dismantle our fears and anguish around childhood sex abuse in Scotland and lead with our hearts, we could transform so many people's lives and actually call ourselves a true trauma family. We cannot wait for 
or expect our politicians to create an environment where survivors of childhood trauma and abuse can feel safe enough to come forward and be heard. When we all have something to offer and a part to play, actions speak louder than words. Christmas has always been the most difficult time for me, but this year I've done something I've never done before in my life. I just bought my first Christmas tree. I feel very emotional because I've avoided anything to do with Christmas. But this year I'm determined I'm going to make an effort. When we were children in these homes, we were told we were not worthy of Christmas. We were told we were not worthy of love. This Christmas, my message to all survivors of child abuse is this. We can overcome. Let's come together as Survivors United. Let's come together as a country, Scotland United, and pray that we can all have a peaceful, happy Christmas. But make no mistake, after Christmas, we shall be carrying on the fight for all survivors to have their voices heard. But now is the time for peace. And if you want to follow me dressing up my first ever Christmas tree, why not follow me on Twitter at DaveSharp59. And every couple of days I'll post pictures of my tree. I want to wish the whole of Scotland a happy Christmas. Hopefully next year is going to be better for all of us. But one thing more than anything else, I just pray that we can all come together. Come on, let's all work together. God bless. Thank you.